welcome to Dreams Recycle podcast and I am here today with Scott Kramer and you're a family law attorney, correct? Yes. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. So um, I practice exclusively in the area of family law. I, I've been practicing family law for about 10 years and uh, mostly because I think sort of if you were to chop up my brain, I, I, I think I'm sort of 90%, 90% therapist and 10% lawyer. Well, that's and good, so, uh, right? That's, yeah. a good, that's a really good mix for a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, well, my, my career started uh, something that wasn't exactly quite that. I, I worked at a wonderful place, but I was doing securities litigation. And I think wow. I, while, while intellectually interesting, I missed that human, human contact and human component. And that naturally and eventually just drew me to an area where I hoped that I could add value both on a emotional level and on a legal level. Well, and that's great, right? Because no group of people on the planet need more empathy and sympathy really than divorcees, I think. Very, very much so. Um, from all of uh, the data and conversations we have with the mental health professionals and, and every which way this is, it's a trauma experience. Mm -hmm. And having someone by your side um, to help you navigate that is, is certainly a critical part of the journey. Absolutely. And we find a lot, I, I, you know, obviously it's all to do with the lawyer and the attorney or mediator you choose. You have to be really careful who you choose. We tell our users it's kind of like dating. Not everyone is for everyone. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and anyone that you can find who has empathy, understanding and can help you, you know, feel secure in what you're doing through the legal process is always the go-to move for us, I think. I think that's a really great point too, because uh, because the topic is so uncomfortable and the emotions of initially going through a divorce are so stressful. I do think there are a lot of people out there who might just, in the interest of moving quickly, just sit down with someone and say, okay, I don't want to think about this. I met this person and let's do it. Um, and it's a rush decision, if only because it's an uncomfortable one and not wanting to repeat your story multiple times and not wanting to sort of go there. But uh, I couldn't agree with you more that fit is so, so very important. And, and so uh, whether it's an existing legal relationship or a new introduction, making sure that you're comfortable with uh, someone who's going to be there for you through your ups and downs is just so important. Well, and I loved when I read your bio, so I loved that you said something different than most people say. So you said, and I'm going to quote you, that mediation is for everyone. And I've always held the belief that it's difficult, right? We want to say everyone can get along and it's all lovely and everyone can be amicable, but sometimes it's really, really hard. So can you explain what you mean by that and how you can actually facilitate that because honestly that would be the best case scenario for most people sure um, there's no doubt I think there was probably a time at least in, in in my city where where mediation was really just for those who were amicable that it was a process for two people who got along and wanted to continue to get along 
I think as mediation has grown more popular and as that the mediators have gotten more talented and as the lawyers have gotten more adept at navigating mediation, it's so much bigger than that. And that from my perspective, it's really a choice about how you want to go about getting divorced. And that's not a choice of amicable or not. Uh, a huge percentage of our mediations are high conflict mediations, not not your vision of two people who get along and want to continue to get along. Mm -hmm. Instead, they've made a choice to enter a process that's not court. And to me, that's not just an amicable or not decision. It's a decision about control versus randomness. Mm -hmm. And that uh, if there is one truth to the legal system, especially the divorce legal system, is that there are no guarantees in a courtroom. And so in my higher conflict, yeah, and I, I think as a result in those high conflict cases, in many ways, those are the very ones that I'm encouraging people to think strongly about mediation, because those are the people who have so much to lose. The stakes feel so high, their conflict is so high, and as a result, the outcome feels so, so important. And in my conversations with with clients at that moment, it's, do you want your outcome to rest on the decision of an individual in a black robe? Or do you want the opportunity to maintain some semblance of control over that outcome? And that to me, in at least the modern era of divorce, I think is the critical component of mediation and the main interest that people can accomplish is to maintain control. Absolutely. And then it's interesting you use the word control because I'm a big fan of mediation, collaborative law, anything that, as you said, takes you out of the courtroom and gives you more power, control, etc. I mean, big fan of that. Uh, but I do see that there are some people <laughs> who will not, cannot, whatever. So what would you say, like if somebody is listening now and they're just hell-bent on going to court, right? They have that kind of got to win, don't care what it takes. What would you say to those people? Because obviously after the fact, I speak to a lot of them that after the fact would like to redo it and can't. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so and what would you say to those people who are feeling that kind of angst that they really sure. just want to win? And, and don't get me wrong, there is some level of of case-specific decision-making. So it's there's, I hesitate to have a blanket rule for anything, but assuming from my perspective that it was a mediatable case and the person had an instinct that they just wanted to win, um, I would really sit down and have a discussion about risk management because all too often, um, especially it's so interesting when it comes to our kids, and when it comes to our own finances, there is a main flaw that we all suffer from. And that flaw is that we think that a judge is gonna think the way that we do. Yeah. And that's not something, it, it's just a natural part. You know, you go to the doctor, you listen to your doctor because you assume your doctor knows more about medicine than you do. When you go to your accountant, you listen to your accountant because you assume they know those tax laws better than you do. But when it comes to our children, 
we all make the assumption that we must be right and that what we think is best for them mm. must be the truth. Mm. And um, we lose that perspective that a judge might not see it that way. And well, well, a and lawyer... Like, yeah, it's risk management is a great term because yeah. it really is a risk. You don't know who's going to be in that courtroom on what day. And we're not often, we're not very good at understanding what other people's perception of us is as a general rule. You know, we could walk into a courtroom and go, you know, they're going to see that we're amazing, an amazing parent, and my ex is awful. But how do they possibly know that from when you walk into a room? There is no doubt. And... And unfortunately, on, on the lawyer side of that, we have seen that all too often. Even, even lawyers get sucked up into it. You know, you, you develop a nice relationship with your client, you believe their position and, and start to feel like you're in the right. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've made the best argument of my life, had the better facts, the better argument, the better preparation, and the result is still not satisfying. And and it's those experiences that lead me to remind people that at its core, mediation is not just about staying amicable. It really is that risk management decision. And uh, to the point where I have some colleagues, and I, I think the analogy is not you can choose the casino or you can, you, you can choose a place where you are making the decisions. Oh. And um, I think there are very few people that would choose the casino if they don't have to. Right. And yeah. And I think that we're not versed in it. I mean, obviously, I talk to a lot of divorcees. That's what I do all day. And I think people have watched too many episodes of Boston Legal for the most part, right? They feel like <laughs> they're going to get their moment on that stand and they're going to be vindicated. Yeah. And, you know, and it's going to be like some kind of trial situation. <laughs> And someone's going to, you know, have the little gavel and rule, you know. And you and I both know it's nothing like that. And so to go through all that and you're not going to get that moment anyway. And then, like I said, risk it all on something that very possibly you could lose based on, you know, what kind of morning the judge had. <laughs> well said. Yeah. So... I also looked at something else that you have started. Have you started it or is it a group of you started it? And it's called New Era Divorce. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that sounds really exciting. Yeah, um, a super exciting new initiative really born out of this concept that there's a better way to go about this process. And I joined with a handful of forward thinking divorce professionals in the Chicagoland area. And we started what is in a sense a leadership group uh, with, with one sole mission and it is to inspire collegiality among the family law community. Okay, and can you and, explain that for us? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's sort of a, an old way and a new way to do things. And that 20 years ago, if someone came into the office we only knew one way how to do things, and it was to, to file a divorce petition, and it was to negotiate by yelling louder than the other person. And I think there still is sort of a trend of family law negotiation of lawyers sort of taking on the emotions of their clients mm -hmm. and, and thinking that you have to be the angry or bad cop to get what you want. 
And I think experience has shown us that that couldn't be further from the truth. And it not only risks your outcomes for your clients and makes it more costly, but is so much more destructive for your family. Um, I, I truly can't think of one case where I obtained an outcome that I felt was satisfactory or excellent for my client and got it by being nasty. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I see that more and, and more, and that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing for the court system, a good thing for family law. Absolutely. It's good for the system. It's good for the lawyers. It's good for the clients. And, and most importantly, it's really good for families when, when there's children involved. And that's, that's no, um, in no way is that undermining advocacy. The, the point of the concept of being collegial is not that we are somehow sort of hugging our way through a negotiation. It's the exact opposite. It's just being tasteful with how you negotiate and um, being strategic. I, I talk to friends a lot and, and one way I, I, I repackage it is to think about if, if you're in an argument in a healthy married relationship with your spouse, a discussion, an argument, a difficult issue. If you wanna to get to a result that's, that feels right, how do you get it? Do you scream at your wife or your husband? <laughs> no, I mean, you can, some of us do, some of us do. Um, but usually, usually you don't end up getting what you want that way. And I don't think it is any different if you are the representative of the person in the middle of that dispute, that if you introduce rancor into your negotiation, uh, you're gonna be met with equal inability to close. Uh, now, granted, it's a great recipe for litigation. It's a great recipe to continue to drive wedges. Um, but I think to get good results and to, be, to do right by these couples, uh, us as lawyers sort of setting the standard for collegiality is, uh, is, really, is, is a really wonderful thing. And it's a privilege to be doing that with uh, some other friends and leaders in the divorce space here here in Chicago. No, it's very cool. And so you're hoping this is something that will spread to other cities? I hope so. Um, maybe not necessarily on the formal level. It doesn't need to be uh, exactly replicated, but the, the concept, the more that people, whether it's in Chicago or otherwise, the more that people are understanding that Divorce does not have to mean guns come out and, and here we are in court uh, and that there's a better way. I, I think that um, people pick up on that in the same way that 10 years ago, we weren't doing it the way we are now. And I, I, I envision that 10 years from now, those advances will only continue as people can look back and share with their family and their friends that, hey, I, I went about it this way and I'm really glad that I did. You know, no one wants to be that, that family. No one wants to be the family that's in the paper. If it's oh, a high profile case, no one, no one wants to be the family that's uh, the, the talk of the water cooler talk at mm -hmm. uh, offices or, or playground chatter. And, and 
I feel like modern day lawyers who are well-versed in uh, alternative dispute resolution really are helping us trend in that direction. Well, that's very worthwhile cause and obviously something we at Dreams Recycle to big into, healthier divorce the better. I mean, as you've said, all the points you've said are completely valid. Healthier families, healthier exes, healthier children. I mean, we always talk about, like it doesn't help you to destroy your ex, right? That's the parent of your children, that's somebody who's gonna be struggling. Every case becomes better. If you were happy and healthy, your ex is happy and healthy and your children are happy and healthy. And that's really what we without, should- Without a doubt. Yeah, we should all- Without a doubt. Aiming for that. So last question, I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> So what would be the one question you would suggest that people ask a lawyer when they first interview them? It's funny, I always, I actually tell my family and friends who uh, have the challenge of going through this process. And I always tell them, ask the lawyer what their experience level is with mediation or collaborative law. And that is not to say, as I mentioned, every case is different and not every case is a mediation friendly or collaborative friendly case. But being in the hands of a lawyer who has been there and does that kind of work is a signal that you're working with someone who is thinking in a way that is problem solving and not problem causing. Oh, I love that. That's a great phrase. I might steal that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not trademarked yet, so you're okay there. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been great. The information you've given us perfect. And I'm sure our listeners will love to hear what you had to say. So how can people find you if they're interested in hearing more about uh, the new era divorce or anything else that we've talked about today? Sure. Thank you. And thanks for the privilege of joining with you. It's an amazing um, mission that you have and conversations that you're generating. So I'm happy to help. Um, probably the best way for people to connect with me is um, my LinkedIn page. Um, I have a common name. So it's Scott Kramer, <laughs> K-R-M-E-R. And you don't want to end up with the wrong one. So um, it's my, my firm, which I am a, a very proud partner at is Griffin, McCarthy and Rice. Uh, in Chicago, and you'll know you're in the right place because uh, I have a unique combination on my LinkedIn page, which is, um, in addition to being a divorce lawyer, my wife and I are co-founders of a nonprofit called Dancing While Cancering, and so you'll see a lot of really meaningful, uh, moving, and impactful stuff on, on our page, so please feel free to connect, and I, I would look forward to continuing the conversation. Oh, well, thank you. And I am going to go check out your page right now and see what else you have to offer on there. But thank you so much for being such a great guest. And I wish you well. And I hope you continue doing the great work that you're doing. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me and uh, keep up the great work on your end too. Really a pleasure. Thank you.